0: everyone. My name is Mike Grauber. I'm one of the investment writers at Julius Baer here in Zurich. Today is the 16th of December. The central banks of the Eurozone, the UK, and Switzerland raised interest rates by half a percentage point yesterday, matching the Federal Reserve's previous day move. Central bank officials also largely signaled that with inflation still at very high levels, they remain vigilant and more work to finish the job lies ahead. What this means for growth, inflation, but also currency markets, we are pleased to be joined by our chief economist, David Cole, and our head of FX and PM Solutions Geneva, Tim Geigy, on today's show. And we will close off with Manuel Viegas from Next Generation Research on the topic of the moment in crypto centralized exchanges and their validity. Following the ECB's announcement. Yesterday, the euro jumped, but it could not hold its gains. And eurozone yields spiked, with the extra yield investors' demand to hold 10-year Italian bonds over German securities rising to over 2%. Meanwhile, global equities did not take the central bank's decisions well, with the euro stocks 50 dropping 3.5% and the S&P 500 falling 2.5%. No major sector in the U.S. rose on the day, but U.S. homebuilders stood out by rising on a report that mortgage rates have fallen a full 1% since reaching a high in October. On the economic front, a report showed that retail sales fell 0.6% in November on a nominal basis, so not even including inflation, but that the labor market remains resilient, with unemployment claims actually falling. In the energy markets, Oil's three-day rally ended with concerns that the central bank's tightening may reduce demand. And Europe's change in its energy strategy made a big leap forward, with the first ship carrying LNG arriving in the German port of Wilhelmshaven under heavy police protection yesterday afternoon. On to China, there's mixed news. On the positive, about 200 Chinese companies are no longer facing an acute threat of being delisted from American exchanges, after U.S. inspectors said they were able to sufficiently review audit documents. And China's government hinted at more support for the property market. But Washington has moved forward with blacklisting dozens of Chinese tech companies, heightening ongoing trade tensions, and Beijing's rapidly spreading COVID outbreak has turned the Chinese capital of 22 million people once again into a virtual ghost town. Asian shares are mixed this Friday, with the Hang Seng slightly in the plus. But in Japan, the Nikkei 2225 is down 1.9%. And European shares, after yesterday's fall, are looking to open in the green in a few minutes. In terms of economic data releases today, data on how purchasing managers in the Eurozone, UK, and the US see their business prospects is going to be out. An interesting data point for evaluating the state of the economy. And the investment firm KKR is out with a report on the benefits of private credit in a traditional portfolio. When it comes to private market assets, and for those interested in our bank's other podcasts, you might want to listen to this week's Beyond Markets podcast on the topic of private market investments with our in-house specialists. There's also a German edition available on the Marktanalysen und Gespräche podcast channel. This is all on the Markets Wrap. And now coming as uh, announced already to central banks, and over to you, David Cole. What is your takeaway from this week?
1: Hello, good morning, Mike. Let's go over to central banks. So, um, yes, this week had uh, like a couple of central banks uh, meetings. All over, which which was basically the most important one was definitely uh, the from the Federal Reserve. Overall, we have to say no surprises here. So, all central banks. Stepped down a bit in terms of pace of interest rate hikes. That was the expectation. So 50 basis points, not 75 basis points. That was the good news. So why are um, capital markets are not taking this as, as positive for overall? Uh, we think that the hawkish message uh, going with this uh, interest rate decisions was the one which really uh, puts the question in center. If Central banks are over tightening here. Uh, It's fine from central banks to fight inflation. At the same time, we have seen that inflation is rolling over anyway. Um, So, for financial markets, it's a big question now um, do central banks do too much compared to like last year, where central banks had been in the position where they have been basically doing too too little? And uh, this is, of course, timing issue. Just, more, just much more a timing issue uh, than the question, um, are interest rates at the right level? So starting with the uh, Federal Reserve, uh, which uh, hiked rates this year uh, by 400 basis points, um, this is a very steep rise uh, we have seen, which has been delivered this year. Uh, and of course, the impact of the, on the economy on the inflation side, which is uh, on the central side of uh, of the the Federal Reserve, uh, will take some time. Um, So, so far, we are quite confident that these decisions of central banks, of the Fed, of the ECB, and also of the Swiss National Bank, of the Bank of England, will have their effects on growth, on inflation, and particularly on inflation, but not tomorrow not the next month, but in the next six to nine months. Uh, from this respect, um, we think central banks are doing the right thing in terms of uh, leaning against inflation. Uh, at the same time, they uh, are starting to enter this territory where we would say uh, it's, it's too much in terms of uh, central bank uh, in terms of uh, monetary policy tightening. And of course, uh, it makes the danger that uh, the economy uh, will take a hit, not uh, in the next few months, but really uh, in the next 12 months uh, from the tight monetary policy. Uh, this is uh, for us the most important message uh, of this week's central bank meetings and it goes across um, all central bank meetings, in particular uh, when it comes to the Federal Reserve. Which is pretty advanced in terms of tightening, in terms of making monetary policy more restrictive, but also the ECB uh, less. So for the smaller for the uh, um, for the smaller central banks uh, like the Swiss National Bank, uh, which uh, did fulfill completely expectations uh, uh, with this uh, interest rate hike and which is still much farther away. Uh, from being like over tightening, over restrictive territory, uh, than uh, we have seen for the ECB or for the for the Federal Reserve. With that, thank you and over to you, Mike.
0: Thanks a lot, uh, David, for these comments and thoughts. And now over to you, Tim. Uh, I can imagine the the central banks kept you busy this week. So, what's your take?
2: Yeah. Good morning. Thanks, uh, Michael. I actually thought today would be my last podcast of 2022. So as usual, I wrote a poem. However, Helen tells me that apparently we have one more next week. So you will just have to wait. It's a pretty good one though, and I will try to refine it over the course of the next few days. Luckily, there are indeed a few things to say markets wise, because we have had a rather exciting week. Obviously, we've already heard from David that it was central bank central, practically every major bank hiking rates in the space of about 18 hours. Um, I just wanted to add maybe a few little observations of my own on the subject of the messages. Clearly most hawkish were the ECB. Makes sense because they have the most work to do, rates are the lowest. And I found the ECB split pretty interesting with some voters pushing for 75 basis points. The Fed were sort of hawkish, although I'm not really so sure. I really just feel like the Fed are waiting until the moment when they do decide to um, to turn around and uh, would prefer not to Telegraph that to the market because you end up putting a target on your back. While the Bank of England were more on the dovish side, I'm also a bit sceptical here as well. The pound has indeed weakened quite significantly, but I feel like the Bank of England has more to do. And while they would prefer not perhaps to do very much more, I think they will end up having to add out of obligation. Most interesting to me was really that these CPI numbers out of the US and the UK, which really speaks to my more negative dollar view. In both cases, the print was below both expectation and the previous month but the UK number is about 3% above the US number. If the European CPI number to date follows the same pattern, then that would leave us with inflation heading in the right direction in all three places, but with the US already dealing with a much lower number. The Fed are ahead of the other two central banks. So I hold my view that there is still more downside lurking in the dollar for next year. We can have some more volatility, perhaps a bit of position squaring for year end. But I do think that if you are still very long dollars, you need to be very careful. And while the open goal uh, perhaps of it being down at parity where it would have perhaps been easier to make a decision although it felt to us like actually a lot of people felt it was very difficult to make a decision even down there i still think there's room i still think we should see euro dollar above 110 cable above 130 at some stage in the not too distant future and perhaps even further beyond that metal struggled a bit as well of course although gold has managed to stabilize without any dramatic move lower while platinum is still above 1000. i favor platinum over gold personally but there is some bullish interest in our trading team for gold, which they expect to see higher from here. I would prefer to look perhaps at an accumulator to try to gradually build a position, but if the Fed are near the end of their hiking cycle and maybe even start looking at perhaps cutting rates, then gold does become a bit more appealing again because that drag of carry uh, starts to at least stabilize, if not diminish. Today, we do still have some important data, as I mentioned, European CPI, but also PMIs in Europe and US PMIs this afternoon. I would look to take advantage of any further dollar rallies to reduce exposure. And for investors holding euros, what I also like is the idea of taking some exposure to the pound. We're right up to 87.40 already, with the range top around 88. So I think that looking at a reverse convertible, for example, for euro cash, could really make some sense. Thank you for listening. See you next week for my annual attempt to stream together a few rhymes. And back to you, Mike.
0: Thanks, Tim. So uh, be sure to listen in in one week's time to when Tim uh, gives his annual poem. And lastly, now over to you, Manuel. In the world of crypto, it is not only about the central banks, but rather the future of centralized exchanges following the collapse of FTX. What are your thoughts on this uh, probably very fast-moving story? So absolutely right.
3: The demise of FTX continues to haunt crypto, even though the now disgraced FTX founder Sam Bankman is imprisoned and facing charges, centralized exchanges continue to experience an exodus of clients. Not even Binance, the largest centralized exchange, could avoid this. And even though the crypto market was quick to rally on the rather positive U.S. inflation data in line with other risky asset classes, confidence is still shattered and it is not going to be easily restored. So despite the positive news from this week's lower-than-expected inflation data, beginning of the week, data translated into a positive price action for the major digital assets, with Bitcoin and Ethereum rallying around 4 and 5% respectively. However, centralized exchanges have continued to see an outflow of assets, despite the positive news. Increased scrutiny towards digital asset custody solutions has tempted investors to flirt with other forms of custody particularly with self-custody. Centralized exchanges continue to experience an outflow, and this week has been particularly bad for Binance. Binance had been able to circumnavigate the space well enough after the initial meltdown driven by FTX. When all other exchanges were experiencing outflows, Binance did not. At the moment, however, tables have turned and tides have shifted, and Binance experienced an outflow of around 40,000 Bitcoins at the beginning of the week, with an outflow of other assets as well, when the rest of the other exchanges remain sideways. This could potentially be attributed to some accounts being blocked by Binance or to differences the exchanges had with the US dollar coins, stable coin, stablecoin in recent days. Overall these flows can be indicative of the fact that investors are looking for better alternatives towards cost solutions. Taking all of this into account, we are of the opinion that a short term recovery remains unlikely. For the asset class, as fears of further contagion still loom large, even though the blockchains have continued to operate as intended. So that's all for me. And thanks, Mike. Back to you.
0: Thanks a lot, Manuel. Uh, Very interesting, your comments. And this also concludes today's show. Please tune in on Monday again, when our technical analysts provide their key takeaways from the recent market action. That's all from us. And bye for now.
2: The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to wwwjuliasbearcom forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. What will the cities of the future look like? What kind of vehicles will fill our streets? Think Tank is a monthly podcast where Julius Baer experts look further ahead into the future. We aim to capture the world's biggest longer-term themes and put them into context for investors. Search for Think Tank on your favorite podcast player.